Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk officiating and the pandemic with members of Manitoba's officiating community. We also head down to Nebraska to talk to North Dakota University's Reese Gaber, Gilbert Plains native, on the start to his collegiate hockey career. That's all coming up on the podcast. Kelly Moore came up with this idea, passed it along to me last week to talk about the effects that the pandemic has had on officials and referees in Manitoba. So we're going to do that tonight. So I'm going to welcome in our three guests, starting with Chris Donaldson, the president of the Manitoba Football Officials Association. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Christian. Stacy Hawash, the president of the Manitoba Association of Basketball Officials. Stacy, good evening. Good evening, Chris. And Peter Woods, the executive director of Hockey Manitoba. Thanks for coming on, Peter. Thanks very much, Christian. I'll start with you, Chris. Um, just for football, I mean, there really hasn't been any football uh, in well since when was the last time there was a, a sanctioned football game in Manitoba? For tackle football, November. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's been a while, but uh, we were lucky enough to hook up with the Pro Prep Flag Football League this year, run by Andrew Harris and DJ Lalama. So we were able to get out on the field a little bit. Yeah, we talked. We had them on a couple of times. So you were able to have your, you know, fully, you know, the re- the real officials were were actually officiating those games. The real officials were actually officiating those games. Yeah, nice. it was nice to get out there. It's fantastic for, for sure. And Stacy, for you, uh, basketball has obviously been uh, very affected by this as well, has it not? Yeah, we. I mean, obviously, when the shutdown happened in March, that's the end of basketball that we had, whether it was high school, provincials. Uh, senior leagues, all the different run, leagues that were being run at that point in time, yeah. And Peter, uh, hockey's been the probably most public sport in terms of uh, the last couple of months because hockey was actually able to start up, and then it all went away, right? Yeah, we were uh, fortunate enough we got to start up in an early part of September, or the latter part of September, where uh, we were training throughout the, that period, and actual game started to. Uh, at the middle of October. So we were fortunate. Uh, we had the opportunity for at uh, our junior levels and our U18, U15 programs that already st- uh, started, and they were operational till the middle of November. And now we're just playing the waiting game to find out when all these sports are going to be able to go again, right, Peter? Well, there's no doubt. Uh, I mean, uh, we're uh, optimistic uh, that we can get a kickstart uh, back in January. Uh, as you know, all the facilities are closed down, not only hockey, but all of the sporting activities are, are suspended right now uh, till uh, December 11th. They're reevaluating then, but uh, we're not anticipating, based on the numbers uh, with the cases, that there, there will be much of a change. But we're optimistic and hopeful that we can restart at some point in January. So, Chris, the football season is over. This is when it would already be over by now anyway. So... For your members, then, they're looking ahead to maybe in the spring to be able to ref football games again? Yeah, we've been told by the high school league that they're going to try and get going in the spring. I mean, obviously, those are just plans, and we'll see what happens a little closer to that date. But we've got our fingers crossed. And a reminder to everyone that the the officials in all of your organizations, this is something they do on the side, right, Chris? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Everybody's doing this more or less for fun. Nobody's really doing it for the money. How many do you, how many officials are in your organization, Chris? We've got about 50 active on field and about 20 timers, roughly. 
How about you, Stacy? This year we're down about a down to about a third of what our normal membership is. Uh, we just ran our registration and our clinic just to, so that we are ready for when basketball does return, but definitely at a lower level this year of, of officials that are cert- being certified and being registered in our organization. Peter, how about you? Well, we have close to about 1,800 officials that we certify on a regular basis every year, and they would go through a, a clinic every season. Our numbers are down because of uh, the suspension of our programs. We're probably around 1,300, somewhere in that neighbourhood. And we've adjusted the delivery of our program that we're doing online uh, presentations and certifications as opposed to in person and uh, just our way just to support and uh, make sure that we're social distancing and whatnot. And it's been effective. Uh, so we've seen a little bit of an adjustment and that's something that we'll evaluate uh, going into next season. We'll, we'll continue along that same pace. Now, one thing, Stacy, about a refereeing is the, the just the act of blowing a whistle is something that creates particles in the air and talking about science here, but is this something where you really can't have officials with masks on because they can't blow a whistle that way, or is there technology to get around that? Uh, well, basketball has definitely looked at some other options. I mean, with the idea of a hand squish whistle and some other types of whistles that possibly could be put into the game. Um, I mean, basketball is a, a, a far way off from restarting. Um, if you talk to basketball mantle themselves, and the officials won't be in until stage five anyways. So, we are a long ways away, but yes, the whistle is one area that we have been definitely looking at different technology to be using. How about you, Chris? Yeah, um, Fox 40's got a variety of options. So there's electronic whistles we can use. They have a mask option where you can um, actually pull the whistle within the mask. Um, a lot of that stuff was sold out by the time our league was getting going. It was in pretty high demand in the States, but maybe by the spring we'll see. How do they do it in the NFL, do you know? Because I, I watch the games and everyone's got some kind of face covering. Yeah, I think they've got the face covering with the mask. Or, sorry, the mask with the whistle in it, the Fox 40 version. Okay. And, uh, Peter, I guess on, on ice, uh, the officials wouldn't be wearing masks, would they? Or will it get to the point where that's needed? Actually, the officials don't wear a mask in the, the games. In, in junior leagues, they have a. Uh, some of them have a cloth that they can pull up uh, in between the plays, and when they're congregating and discussing things, they would have a mask on. Uh, they wouldn't. Most of them wouldn't wear on the mask. We've looked at uh, different types of options, and certainly electronic whistles. We've looked at them at all. A uh, bit of a challenge uh, because of the weather. Uh, that becomes in being in a cold facility. Sometimes they're they're not as effective. Uh, and it's a bit cost prohibitive, so we haven't find a uh, it's a delicate balance there, and haven't come up with one that uh, would be cost uh, uh, friendly uh, and would still be uh, you know provide a top quality uh, ability to manage the play. So uh, those are something some of the things that we're looking at, but uh, it certainly is a bit of a challenge. I'm curious, Stacy, how does a, an official kind of stay not necessarily in peak physical shape when they don't have games to officiate, but just mentally with all the rules and getting used to the flow of games how do you stay on top of that for when you're able to go back on the court again well just like um hockey has done our clinic was virtual this year with with different zoom meetings and stuff like that and also basketball canada this year has been doing a variety of different uh pd sessions online uh, which has been a great opportunity for officials to sign in and and go over a lot of the rules and different nuances within the game and and look at some different uh mental prep and stuff like that so it's been a great opportunity for people across the country to 
continue to work together and become unified, which has been awesome. Chris, when you watch an, an NFL game or whatever level of football game, as an official, do you watch it through a different lens as a normal fan would? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, not a so, question. Are you watching the players or the refs? Well, you got to watch the players to watch the refs, but definitely both. All right. So, in a in a typical game, then are you are you looking at are you thinking about how you would have called a particular thing if it's a questionable close call? When it comes to the NFL and the U.S. stuff, I'm mainly thinking about how I would apply that in Canada. Obviously, the rules are a bit different here, so there's all kinds of nuances and things like that. But yeah, um, how they handle the calls, how they show themselves out there, how they carry themselves. It's all interesting to see. Stacy, same thing with basketball starting up, the NBA in a couple of weeks. Is that something when you're watching a, an NBA game that you're, you're thinking about how they do it too? Sometimes, and there's always the college basketball too, but again, their rules are a little bit different than ours, seeing as we're doing the international FIBA rules. So you do have to sort of take it into account and see how the game is progressing for sure too. Yeah. And Peter, uh, you're, you're obviously not specifically part of the officials in hockey, but as someone who's the executive director of a, a hockey branch, is that something you, you watch at all when you're watching NHL or any other level of hockey? Well, I, don't, I don't think you can avoid watching the officials. I mean, I think that's, that's part and parcel of the game. And uh, uh, because I'm not directly involved in that, and that's not my background, I don't uh, I don't uh, follow the officials. And I guess the, the best official is one of the officials that you don't notice. And then if you don't notice them out there, uh, they would be doing a good job. But uh, they're an important uh, aspect of, of any type of sports to have quality officials. And uh, I don't think our sport is any different. Chris, how does talking to your members what's the common thread of why they got involved in officiating in the first place a lot of times it's just love of the game and wanting to be involved after they're done playing um i myself never played i was always just a fan and i always thought i could do it better than the guys on tv so i figured i better put my money where my mouth is and get out there and did you find that to be the truth not at all (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not at all it's a lot harder than it looks on tv is this, but, is i mean this... everybody has a blast out there so it's a lot of fun now stacy i imagine you have fun but at the same time you have to have thick skin don't you oh for sure with anything like you're just a part of a game and like peter said it'd be nice to be that that official no one notices but definitely every time you're on the floor and you make a call, somebody might not appreciate or agree with the call that you're making, for sure. How do you deal with angry coaches, Stacy? Everyone has a different way. Um, depending on the moment and which coach you're dealing with, um, lots of times it's just un- listening to them, for the most part, and hearing what they have to say. They often have a point, It's whether for their players or for the, the team overall, and, and they just want you to hear what they have to say, and hopefully in the end that – what you what you hear is is will result in them being heard for later on. Because <laughs> what I've you know from a basic point of view, it just seems like everyone's always upset at the call that goes against them, right? Whether it's right or not. Yeah. So is it possible, Chris, to to reason with somebody about a call? Do they usually understand? It depends on the situation. I mean, like Stacy said, a lot of the times they just want to be heard. They want to vent. They want to get their point across, and then you go your separate ways and agree to disagree. And I often hear that, uh, 
you know, arguing with the ref does nothing. Is that true, Stacy? Is it possible to, you know, have your case heard and that might sway a call later in the game? Is that really what happens? I don't think it necessarily sways a call, but at least as a coach, you you feel like the referee is listening to you in some form. And and if there's a point in the game that they can look and re rethink or react to a, a call that might happen or not happen, there's always gray areas within a game, right? So you hope that your point at least makes them think more than once on the next call. For you, Peter, how much time have you spent uh, working with officials in your time with Hockey Manitoba? Well, not a lot. I mean, certainly oversee that, that aspect of our program, but I spent a number of years overseeing and was directly involved in, and with the officials, uh, you know, overseeing the management of, uh, of officials uh, when I was in the UK and working with uh, a club team and its director of sports. So uh, I have that experience. It's a different dynamic. It's a little bit different than, than my background involved with coaching. Uh, I don't know if, uh, uh, I, as a coach, and when you evaluate and watch the game, I mean, uh, you think every call is a bad call. Uh, until you uh, look back and review the tape. And uh, we, when you remove the emotion, you know that the, most of the calls are good calls. And uh, I, I, as a coach, I used to always watch and uh, tell our players not to complain about any any calls, you know, until, until you get to about five or six. And if they're not going your way, then you might voice your concerns. But uh, I don't think that gets you anywhere. Um, I think you need to be respectful of the officials. they got a very difficult job. And uh, uh, how you see the game and how they see the game is, is a little bit differently. But... Uh, uh, most officials do an outstanding job, and they're uh, certainly a, a major part of any type of sport in order to be successful. Stacy, do you think most coaches would echo that? I would agree. They know that the officials are out there to help the game move forward and, and occur for those athletes and kids to enjoy the experience and, and grow with the game, right? So I do think coaches do see benefits of having the officials on the floor. Chris, same to you. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's out there at the end of the day for the kids, right? Especially at the amateur level. Everybody wants to see this game go well and everybody do well and have fun and be safe. So we've all got the same goals at the end of the day. Well, I appreciate the three of you coming on tonight. It was an interesting insight for sure. Chris Donaldson, the president of the Manitoba Football Officials Association. Stacey Hawash, the president of the Manitoba Association of Basketball Officials and Peter Woods, executive director of Hockey Manitoba. Thanks to the three of you for coming on tonight. Thanks, Christian. Thanks, Christian. So, let's turn back to hockey now. And Gilbert Plains, Manitoba's Reese Gaber, off to a nice start to his NCAA hockey career. 21-year-old is a freshman at the University of North Dakota, where he has a pair of goals in his top-ranked team's 3-0 start in a pod in Omaha, Nebraska, where his conference is playing the first half of its season this month, 10 games in 20 days. And Reese joins us now on the show. Reese, how does it feel to be playing hockey right now at a time when so many other sports have been sidelined? Yeah, it feels pretty good. It's been um, a long-anticipated wait to get going, and now that we're finally going, I think the, the guys have a lot of energy, and um, the vibes around the room are pretty good. So uh, I think we're ready to just keep going and um, hopefully keep winning here. So for those who uh, may have forgotten how this structure works, you're basically in a in a bubble, essentially, in Omaha, right? Yeah, yeah. We're here for uh, 10 games in about 20, 20 days. Um, so playing just about every other day, and uh, it's, it's been pretty busy. So, Is that more than usual than you'd play? 
Yeah, usually we just play uh, two games on, on the weekend, and that's it. So how does this real jam-packed nature affect your schooling at all, or does it? Uh, everything's basically online, um, so it hasn't. Obviously, it gives us a little less time to do homework, but um, we haven't really been missing um, too many classes or anything. Um, and, and since everything is online, we're just um, it's not too big of a deal, um, so we can kind of still do our work that way. And how's the season gone so far? That's went pretty good so far. Um, we've had a good start. Obviously, we uh, we're three and zero right now, and um, our next couple of games here are going to be some tough tests. Uh, starting tomorrow, we kind of can't look past that. So uh, I think the guys are ready, though. So you got Denver tomorrow, and then you got Minnesota Duluth Thursday. Uh, you play at three thirty-five tomorrow afternoon. I, I guess you got a. It's probably the first time you've played in a middle of a Tuesday afternoon in a while, eh? Yeah, it's been a little different. The, the times are uh, obviously different for us here. We've had a uh, noon game yesterday, and um, then we we also played at three thirty. Um, the one of I think it was our first game, um, so that's been a little bit uh, of an adjustment, but it hasn't been too bad. So, as a freshman, how what do you feel your role on this team is? Uh, I think I know what I'm capable of, and, and the coaching staff has belief in me, so. Um, kind of every every role that I'm put into, I just got to kind of play my game and um, make the most of it and, and try and provide some offense and, and energy out there. And you're also a part of what is the number one team in the country. Is there any pressure being the top-ranked team? Uh, obviously, there's a lot of eyes on them. Um, I think overall, we um, a lot of the, obviously, the returners are, are used to it from last year. And um, I think we're just really excited to kind of prove ourselves every night. What have you gathered from some of the more experienced players on the team in your time with the team so far? It's been pretty cool to uh, to watch them every day around the rink. Obviously, we have a ton of very high-end and, and elite players, and um, just kind of seeing how they carry themselves and, and are able to go through each day is it's pretty impressive. And um, there's obviously a lot that us younger guys can, um, can take from, and, and the standard here is extremely high. So I think um, just kind of having that standard is super important for us to better ourselves well and your captain jordan kawaguchi i guess leading by example got the ot winner in your second game uh, what have you learned from him in your in your time with the team so far one of the top players in the country yeah gooch is uh he's always ready to to play whether it's practice uh workout games he he's all business and um obviously he's a, he's a great leader and is someone that's um, we're pretty fortunate to have to be able to learn from, especially um, coming in as a freshman. It's um, obviously a really good start for us, and I think just having guys like that is is super important. And it just um, obviously carries on every year. The culture here at North Dakota um, and the standards are, are extremely high, like I said. So um, I think just having a guy like like Gooch to kind of uh, rely on and, and learn from is um, obviously a big bonus for us. Why did you want to go to North Dakota? Uh, this has kind of always been my dream school. Um, obviously, it's it's nice and close to home, and um, uh, it's the greatest place uh, to play college hockey in the nation. Um, obviously, the the history and everyone knows. Um, kind of playing at the at the Ralph is extremely um, extremely amazing, and uh, I think just having that opportunity to to put on the the North Dakota jersey is is pretty special, and um, I think it's it's kind of the easiest decision of my life. 
So you're from Gilbert Plains. You played four parts of four seasons in the MJHL. Was college always the avenue you wanted to pursue? Uh, yeah, it, it became more of a reality um, as time went on. Um, obviously, when I moved on to the to the USHL um, and uh, even started my junior career in Dauphin, I think uh, being a late bloomer, I think that was kind of always the the best path for me. And um, as time went on, obviously um, interest grew, and and now here I am. How big is Gilbert Plains? Uh, it's like seven or eight hundred people, I think. <laughs> uh, I'm looking it up on a map. Uh, it's like an intersection. That's kind of it. Yeah, it's just uh, 15 minutes west of Dawson. Okay, so is that where you go to get all your groceries and stuff, or can you shop in uh, in Gilbert Plains? Uh, we have a, a grocery store there, um, but a lot of people obviously go go to Dawson and shop, and um, there's a little bit more there. So, do you like growing up in a small town like that? Yeah, yeah, I loved it. Um, I've always kind of been a farm kid, and, and we have a family farm out there. So um, I think just having that that small town mentality in life is is super peaceful, and um, I don't think I'd trade it for anything. No, I, I'm from a place in Ontario of about 800 people, so I'm I'm with you on that one. So do you, uh, I guess, expect that there will be a time, I'm sure, when your parents can come watch you play at the Ralph and – you're envisioning all the fans in the stands there and how cool that moment's going to be? Yeah, I think about it pretty much every day. Um, obviously, um, we don't know when that's going to be, but I'm just kind of hoping that's um, a lot sooner than later. And um, just being able to, to get out there to the Ralph and in front of all those fans, is, it's going to be pretty crazy. And um, I don't think I'll, it'll really hit me until I'm actually out there and um, get to experience that. Now, growing up, did you ever go see games there or play on the ice there at any point? Uh, I had been to the Ralph uh, to see it um, as a kid, but I've never actually watched a game. So um, uh, just obviously seeing the videos and everything and, and hearing about it all the time is um, is a lot, but uh, I don't think any of that will do justice until I actually get to uh, experience that. So the setup in Omaha, are you basically just in a hotel room, eating, practicing, playing hockey, and that's it? Yeah, well, that's basically, we just, uh, we go from the rink to our hotel, and that's it. And um, We get meals catered to the hotel, and um, we don't really have much else. We're we're pretty busy with schoolwork and, and practice and watching video and um, all that stuff. So we got a good setup here, and it's it's been pretty fun so far. So 10 games in 20 days, did you have to come early to do some kind of quarantine, or did you just go right in? Uh, we had to do testing the, the week leading up, but we have uh, we came a couple days early uh, to get some practices in, but uh, we so far we've um, yeah we've been here uh, about a week, so it's been good. And then once the 20 days is up, uh, this is kind of the first half of the season. What's on tap for the second half? Uh, the second half is supposed to be um, kind of normal. Uh, we'll be traveling just to um, to different places on the weekends um, to teams in our conference. So um, that'll be exciting to kind of feel somewhat normal. I hope as long as it kind of stays um, with that plan. And uh, yeah, we're kind of we're looking forward to to get to that. So how did it feel to score your first goal? It felt really good. Um, obviously, it's something that's uh, 
that obviously was um, kind of in my mind, and, and to get that out of the way early was pretty nice. And um, yeah, it was, it was just a great play, and um, it was nice to get that one out of the way. Do you keep the puck? Yeah, yeah, I got it. Uh, so got the puck after after that, and uh, it's pretty cool. Do you get to go home for Christmas? No, I don't. Um, because of the the quarantine, I would. We have some time off, but um, since the uh, the quarantine rule, um, the fourteen days, I wouldn't have been able to um, go home just because we don't have. Uh, I don't quite have fourteen days off, so uh, I wouldn't have worked out. Fair enough. Okay. So, uh, is there a curfew? You got to be in bed by a certain time, or are you pretty tired by the end of the day anyway? I think everyone's um, obviously pretty uh, responsible themselves and uh, they kind of know that we need our rest and that's super important. So I think you guys do a good job of kind of um, just going to bed when, when we need to. And obviously um, all these games are, are pretty tiring. So a lot of the time we're ready to go to bed as it is. Well, Reese, I'll let you go on that note. I appreciate your time tonight. Best of luck through the, uh, the rest of this pod experience and uh, going forward as well. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?